0: I came here and I said it on the first day, as a normal guy, I am still a normal guy, I just don't live a normal life for too long now and I don't want to wait until I'm too old for having a normal life Um, and I I need at least to give it a try at one point to see how it is. and welcome to the Sound of Football podcast. I'm Graham Sibley, and as ever, I'm joined by Jan Bilton. Hello, and Terry DeFelland.
1: Goodbye. Oh, I see what you
0: did there. Yes. Fine, fine, fine. I'll go into last week, and I'll get your hello from last week, yeah?
2: <laughs> so I'm sorry. I just thought it was appropriate for what we were going to be talking about. But that's fine. You're right. I shouldn't be saying goodbye yet.
0: No. You can wait another five months to say goodbye. There you go. Hello. Yeah, it's the long goodbye, isn't it? That's going to be, I suppose, the nature of this discussion. I suppose it's the nature of every uh, weekly podcast discussion for this week, isn't it? The subject of Jürgen Klopp is going to come up. And Terry, Jürgen Klopp is a character we've been following for years, isn't it? You and I went to see him in perhaps one of his very early games over in uh, in Germany back in 2008. For Dortmund, at least. Anyway, he'd been at Mainz for seven years beforehand, hadn't
2: he? Yeah, was that Stuttgart? Was that-
0: I think that was, yeah.
2: Thomas Heinel and all that. Yes. We, we've been talking about Jurgen Klopp for years on this podcast. Before he came to Liverpool, we were talking about Jurgen Klopp. So I think that we are, are as entitled as any other podcast to reflect on the events of the last week. Jan, yeah, what was your
0: immediate reaction to hearing that Jurgen Klopp issued a video saying, that's it, end of the season,
1: I'm out of here? Well, I, I got it on one of the other channels that I've got on WhatsApp I actually thought someone was having a bit of a joke at my expense or everyone's expense on the group, because you kind of just think that Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool are such a perfect fit that that, you know they would. I mean, ultimately, obviously he would move on, but I didn't think it was going to be happening uh, so soon. I didn't think it was going to happen this season, definitely not. So it was it was quite a shock, I think, Uh, definitely a shock for the football world, as you've seen from the reaction um, across the media since then. And of course, the home game on Saturday was made all the more poignant. And you could see he was quite emotional. <laughs> the poor fellow, though, is going to have a camera shoved in his face every time the cops sing, You'll Never Walk Alone, from now to the end of the season. So um, there's, uh, that's going to get probably overplayed. You'll probably get sick of that, I would imagine. But yeah, massive, massive shock. Or, or not, Terry might fill us in with some of Jürgen's history on these matters. Certainly, I think it's a bit of a shock, but he may have form in this area.
0: Well, yeah, Terry, he does. He's walked away from jobs beforehand. He's not been sacked ever in any role, despite really having a very disappointing final season for Dortmund and leaving Mainz when they weren't at their peak under him. But I suppose really it's timing again as well. I mean, he when he announced he was leaving uh, Dortmund at the end of the season, that would have been what? I think that was in April, late April. It was near the end of the season, wasn't it?
2: Was it like, why do I got it in my head that it was around this time? Mm,
0: well, it wasn't. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think a lot of people think that. But um, I think if, if, and I hope that Wikipedia isn't lying to me here. Uh, let me tap away.
2: I trust Wikipedia over my my memory, certainly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, yeah, because I've seen lots of people like saying about that. Oh, well, yeah, welcome to the club. But with Mainz, he resigned at the end of the 2007 and eight season and then for
1: Dortmund I thought it was earlier my memory tells me it was this around this time
0: after a disappointing beginning of the season klopp announced in april that he would leave the club and we did a podcast wow. and we did a podcast in april 2015 about that listeners uh, if you want to go back and check it out for yourself an episode called disappointment and it's from the 30th of april 2015 episode 220 330 odd episodes ago yeah. So, yeah, it was only about a month before the end of the season when he actually announced he was leaving Dortmund. But I think everyone thinks that he did it a lot earlier than yeah.
2: that. Isn't that weird?
0: Yeah, it's weird how how your mind works. Same with Ferguson. Ferguson announced his one in May. Everyone thought it was there was a long time between that. Wenger, he announced his uh, he was leaving in April as well. Um, so, this is a really long time. Do we think he's actually going to see it all out? As Jan said, I mean, he's going to have cameras in his face every week. If he's leaving now because he's not in a good place or he just doesn't feel like he's got anything to offer, uh, which seems to be the subtext of the interview he gave last week, is he really in a place to see this out? If he's going to have this pressure, this constant pressure on him week after week? Terry?
2: Once upon a time, if a manager did this at this time, then he would have been tagged as a lame duck manager all the way through to the end of his time. It is a different time and a a different, obviously a different situation. But I remember Gordon Strachan giving his notice at Southampton and every week they would talk about whether or not, is Gordon Strachan a lame duck manager? And it's like, well, you're kind of talking about it. So I guess that means he's and he went early as it happens. I think what's significant about this decision is is that he feels as if he can give that much notice and still go all the way through. I mean, as uh, the supporter of a club who has had a manager who's been on a notice all year long, I know how tricky things can get. Obviously, Liverpool is a very different situation. They're a very, very good side. They're probably the best team in England right now, possibly the best team in Europe. There's a possibility that they could win. Obviously, they can't win the Champions League. There's a possibility that they could pick up multiple silverware this season and it is possible that this may galvanise the squad even more so to make this happen. I don't think that the players will react negatively, I think, to all of this. I mean, I would I like to think that Klopp will know his players and will know that if he thought that they would react badly to this and stop playing so well, then he would have delayed the announcement until much, much later in the season. So it is a peculiar one. And historically, it's not usually a wise thing to do. But obviously, these are, different circumstances it's a different world now and Klopp is a very very different kind of guy
0: in the Strachan situation he he didn't actually announce that that was leaked the fact that Uh, he was going to leave um I I personally wonder whether or not the press got wind of it and
2: I think that's exactly what threatened
0: to to leak it and then he had to come out and say something Uh, that's what I personally think has happened in this case For Strachan, he didn't even last, well, he didn't even last the month. He was out before the middle Mm. of February. Yeah. So that's what I think, anyway. Jan?
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. I I think that something had been leaked. It's interesting as well, though, that his whole backroom staff are leaving as well. So they're replacing everyone. Mm. So I think that maybe that was the plan. I think that leans more towards it, that they're making some wholesale changes at Liverpool. An odd one when they seem to be so successful. But I think, you know, taking the conspiracy theory out of it, even though I do like a conspiracy theory, uh, that the leak was about to be um, broadcast. It feels like, you know, Liverpool are in such a, a, a place at the moment that if he is going to make a move, that there needs to be a transition rather than a, an abrupt, you know, that's me done. And you've got a few weeks um, during the closed season to kind of get the, the new guy bedded in with a new set of players. So it gives them a good run-up to the start of next season under a new regime, which I think, you know, you could argue is quite sensible. What was interesting, there's a couple of things that were interesting I thought about the announcement. One, that he mentioned, it seemed to be hinting at his health quite a lot. Um, so then maybe this should be one of the, the last close-ups that we do on this because I think there may be something on that. Uh, maybe the the rest of the media might want to take a, a look at that as well. But also, on a, on a lighter note, when he was being asked in his pre match press conference by, it sounded like, and I'm, I'm making a leap here because the guy had a, a Northwest accent, but it sounded like it was a local newspaper. And they were saying to him, Are you going to change your mind like Alex Ferguson did? And he started to answer the question. And, he said, and Klopp stopped and went, Hang about, what? Well, Alex Ferguson changed his mind. And the guy explained it to him again. And then he went to answer the question. And he kept going back and going, What? Are you serious? Are you trying to tell me that he said he's going to resign? And then he changed his mind. And he went back on that about two or three times. Whether that was a deflection technique or not, I don't know. But I found it very, very funny that he was completely unaware of this. And maybe someone would have briefed him on that, wouldn't they, when he was making this decision and they were making an announcement? I just found that quite funny that he seemed to be more interested in answering that and and more shocked about that than the fact he was having to explain something which must have been quite uncomfortable, given the amount of time he's been there and the success he's had.
0: Sorry. You've followed Klopp for years. You know the type of character he is and what he brings to the game. He's obviously one of the big characters of football and has been in English football for the last decade and for European football for over two decades now.
2: Was this really surprising to you? So I was shocked, like everybody else, but not surprised. You, yeah. you can, I think, you can be shocked yeah, but yeah. not surprised. With the instant, they're like, "Oh my god, what he's done it!" You know. And, and I think that while it's also, it feels consistent with his character, again, that's partly because I, I mistakenly thought that he went around this time with Dortmund. And so I was kind of thinking, oh, we've done it again. <laughs> but as you've corrected me, Graham, that's not what happened. Um, no, I mean, I think that Jürgen Klopp is, is a kind of guy who's aware of the, of the bigness of his character. There was an awful lot of theater behind the announcement. You would expect Klopp to be able to do that. He is not an unassuming man. No, most football coaches aren't you got to have a, a big ego to do that job it does feel consistent with him he, he part of his um approach to leadership is to be the big guy is to be that leader that figurehead to put himself front and center he's a huge personality and so as a consequence when it comes to stuff like that he probably regards his leaving as a big deal for liverpool it is but other coaches might not necessarily adopt that kind of persona or might not express that in the way that he has done i think other coaches would have gone well i'll just make the announcement we'll make the announcement a couple of weeks before the end of the season and then we'll we'll do it that way rather than see it as a distraction and that's the interesting thing is i think a lot of coaches might have seen this announcement as a distraction whereas i suspect that he probably sees this as an opportunity to galvanize the players and maybe maybe create a psychological advantage i mean he'll be fated. From now until the end of the season, won't they? I And mean, we'll be going to away grounds, and they'll be standing and applauding him as he walks out there. But maybe, a, you know, Everton and Manchester United, if he's got to go to those places yet. Yeah. But generally speaking, he'll get a warm reception. I think that there'll be the neutrals will will feel that it would. Wouldn't it be great if Liverpool did it for Klopp and stuff like that? And and that might create, you know, a, 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 a some kind of psychological advantage. I do also wonder whether or not because the announcement was made because he, they were told in in November whether or not and, and all of his back start room staff are going, these backroom staff are going, well, look, it's all right for you, mate. You're a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have we haven't got Peloton advertising contracts and we need work. <laughs> and thanks to you, we're on notice. So if you don't mind, yeah, we'll start applying for work if it's all the same to you. So there might have been a bit of that. It might have been just simply practicality, just like courtesy to his colleagues.
0: If it's one person going, then yeah, you could probably keep a lid on it. But that number of people going, you're never going to be able to cover that up, are you? Yeah, and what do you reckon? Do you reckon he is a lame duck? Do you reckon he should go now? Or do you think the Klopp roadshow, the long goodbye, should just go on for the next four months,
1: potentially? I don't think he's a lame duck. No, not at all. I think you, you are. Not that I think that should be discounted. There's a risk of that happening, of course. But I think the reaction amongst the the, the I think the, you saw the support was behind him um, on uh, at the weekend. I think the players are falling behind him. Uh, it's a really great group of players, and they're they're going great guns at the moment. So I think it would be really great if they if they ended on a high. I really do. I've always enjoyed having him around in the Premier League. He's brilliant he's entertaining you know he's really responsible in what he says as well he did a lot of stuff about trying to counter all of the the silliness about anti-vaxxers and he spoke quite uh, openly on that so he's a smart guy and he's got a conscience Um, and he's also brilliant at what he does I think this will be a a really good send-off if they can get a bit of silverware for him
2: yeah starting with the league cup obviously they're in the league cup final Mm. you'd fancy them to win the Europa League I think the fitting send off would be for him to to take the the title. It's interesting, and we can reflect on this perhaps in the future. But I mean, you know, he's he has got I think he's got a tremendous legacy uh, that he leaves behind him in terms of how the game is played back in 2014, 15 when he arrived, and how it's played now. I think that Jurgen Klopp has had a big say in how in the changes that have made there. I think it's also fair to say that if it hadn't been for Manchester City under Pep Guardiola, Liverpool would have dominated the Premier League. And won a lot more titles than they did. Um, maybe not a lot more, a few more, a couple more titles than they did. And I, I think that that is probably the, the only slight, an asterisk, the only slight downside in there is that with the team that you built and how good they were with such great players, it's almost a bit disappointing that they didn't win, you know, two or three more titles um, as a consequence. And as the ongoing saga about Manchester City and their rule breaking comes forward, that might well be something that that people might have to think about more deeply in times to come. But right now, the reality is, is that with City and their extraordinary wealth and their outstanding manager, we're able to just about trump Liverpool. But on the the other season, you know, he he would frequently, I think he would have got enough points together to have in another era have comfortably won the title. So it would be, I think, fitting if they could win the league. Uh, one more time I mean I, I don't care I mean, that much but I mean it would be as a as a Klopp guy I think it would be nice to see that happen but you know he broke the duck he delivered the Premier League title the first division title for the first time in 30 years something that Liverpool fans have craved all this time and something that he was brought in to do and you know I mean for that reason he, he's he's up there I mean, I've got a couple of Liverpool fan friends. I'm sure we all know Liverpool fans I think that they regard him as, you know, up there with Shankly and, and Paisley and Douglas. You know, sits amongst that pantheon of the true greats. And, um, you know, I don't think there's a more fitting accolade. But Liverpool could win it all, you know, th- this season. They really could. They're a fantastic side and they've got the squad depth. And and now, they're, if they haven't got the motivation beforehand, they definitely have it now.
0: Will they still love him, though, next season when he rocks up uh, Man City once Pep goes back to Barcelona?
2: Um <laughs> No, no, <laughs> no, no, I really won't. Particularly since he has given a solemn promise. It's interesting because Pep said he'll be back. He'll be back in England. You know, I know what you said, but he'll be back in England because he won't be able to resist it. And I think that that's the danger of saying things like that. Look look, look what, what Klopp said. Was like, I'll never, never, I'll never back in England again. I promise that will never happen. I think, you know, that's until a long... Until he's back at Newcastle. Until he's back at Newcastle, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, supposedly when Ferguson made his retirement in averted commas back in I think 2001 wasn't it wasn't Sven already penciled in to or didn't he tr- sign a pre-contract to take over
2: he had yeah, I think yeah. that England was coach case. Sven Goran Eriksson
0: yes yes um, yes uh, sadly very very ill yes. Sven Goran news. that was terrible news do you think someone's already lined up and if so who is it I think if if I was to go around today and say who was uh, here and say who's gonna be the next guy, Xavi Alonso is probably the highest on the shopping list. Um Stevie G next, I suppose. Um <laughs> yeah. big long, long, long gap <laughs> there. Yeah. Um anyone else in the frame, possibly?
1: Um there's talk of um Roberto De Zerbi. Yeah. His name's in the frame. Um Fine Coach and Yeah, Mm, not sure. Uh, Ruben Amorim um, from Sporting Lisbon has been mentioned.
0: Yeah, his name's in every job he's lined up with.
1: He is linked with every job. Nagelsmann
2: has been mentioned as well. Yeah. What do you think of that, Terry? Uh, I I find it difficult to look past Javi Alonso, but that's my horrific Bundesliga bias. But obviously everyone knows Javi Alonso is an ex-Liverpool player. He's hugely loved and respected. He was a magnificent player for Liverpool. Superb. And he's doing an excellent job at Bayer Leverkusen and may well, as we have discussed, yeah. may well win the Bundesliga this season. Nil-nil draws with Mönchengladbach notwithstanding. I mean, I think that there are question marks about the style of play of Xabi Alonso, but he would appear to be, I think in my mind, the front runner. Now, I've also read that The plan would be for them to go to do what they did with Klopp and go back to the data and look for a coach that fits their team and the style of play. And if they do that, then I don't think Xabi Alonso would fit that profile. So that's really interesting as well. You know, I'm assuming that Tony Mowbray is tied down to a multi-year contract and can't do the job, but he'd certainly know what to do with those players. But to be serious, yeah, it's very difficult to see past Xabi Alonso at this point. But we have got some way to go. What I will say is that if there's any approach, Leverkusen are going to just like pull down that drawbridge and make life as difficult as possible. Because they have a historic opportunity to win something. Mm. And they're not called Leverkusen for nothing. (laughs) An opportunity for them to win. If that gets derailed because of this, then then they'll be hell to pay. But I would suggest that Liverpool will, and this will be a tricky one for them, They'll have to wait until summer before they go for Xabi Alonso. Maybe back-channel discussions amongst agents of agents. but That gets out, though, doesn't it? But uh, you know what, guys? I think it's entirely likely that Xabi Alonso is a red herring and it'll be someone else. Really do. It is interesting, though, that his name came up within minutes. Mm. Is that just lazy journalism or
1: does it just, because it just seems to me, and if you look at the the odds, I mean, it's
2: like one to two. It's not even worth a flitter, is it? So for me, it was when Carlo Ancelotti signed his contract extension at Real Madrid, that for me said, okay, Giambi Alonso's next job is going to be Liverpool. Because he won't stay, I don't think he would stay at Bayern Leverkusen beyond the end of the season. Because it's just too small a club. I know they're a rich club and they pay a lot of money. And he's got he has got I know he's got a contract, but he's got I think that he would probably get he would be he's too hot property and he'll get picked up by one of the elite clubs. And for me, that's either going to be Real Madrid or Liverpool. Now, maybe I am underselling, overselling rather his abilities. Now, I may well be, again, horrific Bundesliga bias. Fully, I I acknowledge that. So maybe my analysis is obviously massively skewed by that. But I think that that's why Javi Alonso is a is because like I know that Liverpool fans would have been looking at him and going, I'd love it if he was our coach.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he's at a club that could be breaking the dominance of one club. That is something, isn't it? I mean, and winning a title in Germany is not the same as winning a title in Scotland. Yeah, I think we can all be clear about that. (laughs) Leverkusen are a good side, but they're not the side that you expect we we had this conversation last week, didn't we? We we talked about the fact that it's Leverkusen that are breaking Bayern's stranglehold on the Bundesliga title is the most surprising thing, I suppose, about it. But he's done very well in that. This is only his second season, there, isn't it?
2: It's not even his second full season. Yeah, yeah. he joined what, halfway through. Yeah, last season, so a bit before, a bit earlier than that. So yeah, that so in that respect, maybe he's got a little bit to prove yet. Yeah. Maybe he's got a bit more to do, but. Yeah, I mean, and again, I mean, he does play what lazily you might characterise as tiki-taka. Doesn't play, you know, doesn't like long balls, doesn't like, you know, raking passes, doesn't like heavy metal football. So that could be an issue.
0: Yeah. He strikes me as more of an Arteta appointment. Totally. In that sort of style. Someone who played for the club and someone who's been looking at other coaches as well. Not really with his own style, but with perhaps flavour of Pep going in there or the flavour of just being at Real.
2: Mm.
0: So, yeah, I wonder if you're right whether it it is just a red herring. But is the fervour behind him just too strong for Liverpool to resist? Mm. Um, Because the pressure is going to be to get a name in there that the fans are going to instantly like or instantly take to because that's a mighty big chair you're filling once Klopp gets out of it.
1: It's a risk, though, isn't it? It's a risk for him because he's a legend at the club and to go back and to risk tarnishing that that's a big one mm. um, and for the club as well consum- I know he's he's hes done other coaching roles in kind of B sides across Europe but as you said Terry he's not completed a full season just yet so you know there's a he might be doing very well he's doing incredibly well massively well but it's a big risk when he hasn't got that history behind him and and what Liverpool need to be really careful of is falling into the same trap that Manchester United fell into when they got rid of their huge stellar manager that was, you know, defined a, an era for them. Um, so they need to really think long and hard about this, about who they're going to get in. And I think you're right, Terry. I think they will kind of go back to the old mo- money ball model and and let the let the numbers do the talking. But that might mean, uh, to your point, Graham, that they don't get in a big name it may mean they bring in somebody that's you know not even on the list that we've, we've talked through. Maybe they'll think, what would Dortmund do? What did Dortmund do when he walked
0: out? And they will like, well, get Thomas Tuchel. Or, no, what we'll do is we'll go back to the same club and get whoever is the manager there at the moment. <laughs> it's going to be either Edin Terzic or Thomas Tuchel. Who's it going to be? Come on.
2: Uh, head says Tuchel, heart says Terzic, Graham,
1: <laughs> Could you imagine Thomas Tuchel at Liverpool? No, he would just, he would just upset <laughs> everyone on day one. Yeah. I mean, he'd make some crass comment about something. The fans would hate him instantly. The,
2: you know, that would be, yeah. it would be like a hand grenade appointment. They wouldn't accept him. The fans wouldn't accept no. him. No. it's yeah. the same, like, for example, like nobody would ever talk about like, like one of the best managers in the Premier League. It like getting another Premier League manager, like, like getting Arteta, for example. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool have got the money to pay Arteta's wages. They probably have the money to buy him out of his contract, but I don't believe that he would be accepted by the club. I mean, that's leaving aside the fact that I don't think he'd want to go. A Graham sort of like, sort of like foreheads opening up. <laughs> and sort of, what, where did this come from? But you know, once upon a time, that's what would happen. I mean, a coach, you know, they, they say, well, you wouldn't go out of the country. You'd, looked to hire a coach from England if you ordered an English coach or, or a coach of an English club you'd hire a, another coach that's based in England but in, but now that we live in a world now where that seems completely ridiculous and, and nonsensical and yet <laughs> it's not completely beyond the realms of possibility and yeah I, not, that is not me making some kind of like sideways prediction that Arteta's going to get that job. I'm just <laughs> illustrating the fact that just how much things have changed, that he's not even, no one's even talking about him. And yet, he's one of the best coaches in the Premier League.
1: Yeah. yeah. Don't worry, Graham. He's
2: not going to Liverpool. He's not he going to Barcelona. He's going to Barcelona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's but, probably more I mean, you'd like be it. mad to go to Barcelona. But he might, because, you know, you have to be mad to do that job.
1: Who is going to Barcelona, then? I said no. Um, no, I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, it's it, it's like two clubs and two coaches with contrasting. There's a lot of contrast between the, the two scenarios, there, isn't it? Liverpool are as big as they've been, and they've got a massively successful manager who's choosing to exit at the top of his game. And and Xavi is in charge of a of a side that's had some horrific defeats this season. They lost five three at home to Villarreal at the weekend, um, and they've had some awful spankings as well from Bilbao and and Real. And they've got money problems, and they know it. and And he's I suspect that there's a, they had a conversation and decided that you know they're not going to catch Real Madrid. They're going to probably finish in the top four but that's about as far as they're going to get and that they need to bring somebody else in but I don't know who would want to go there because it's not like going to Liverpool where you know you've got a really stable club that's really well run and you're building on an incredible legacy (laughs) don't get me wrong Barca have a wonderful legacy but just at the moment they're not the club and not the side that they once were so I don't know who would want to go to that. I'd Certainly, I mean, Arteta would be mad to go there,
0: wouldn't Well, I? is there a reason that we're all dancing around the rather large Portuguese elephant in the room? <laughs> no, Graham. The rather large jobless Portuguese elephant.
1: <laughs> so, do you think Jose would really go to Barcelona after he spent so much time at he's, Real?
0: He's favourite at the moment. and I, well, God knows what that means, really. But in the betting, supposedly, he's the one who is favourite to take the job next.
2: So Jose obviously didn't start his coaching career at Barcelona by any means but he was he works, yep. he's yeah, worked yeah. For he worked for Bobby Robson at, yep. uh, when he was there. So he has been to Barcelona but his relationship with the club when he was Real Madrid was utterly utterly toxic. Those days with Guardiola's Barcelona and Jose's Real Madrid and they're great. They're literally books have been written about that period of, of Spanish football history. It is the for me it's the apex. Of modern Spanish football history, club football at the very least is were, were those years. I find it unbelievable the idea that he would go to Barcelona. I mean, no, actually, I think he would go because of, I think he's a mercenary. <laughs> he's joking. but, uh, but, but <laughs> because he's only out for himself. But well, I remember when he when he took that into Milan team when they won the, the Champions League and oh. and and they won in the new camp. And he just like ran out onto the pitch and he's holding his finger up in the air and he's giving it to those fans. And you're just thinking, I don't know how you walk back from that. But I mean, only Jose Mourinho can walk back from that. You know what's going to happen? He'll go, oh, I've always had a great deal of love and respect for the Barcelona fans. I'll always, you know, there have been a worthy adversary for Jose and Jose now feels that he is ready for this challenge, you know. I do believe Jose will start referring to himself in the third person First. as he gets older. And at the end of that, he'll probably say something really
1: awful about how he, he always hated living in Madrid. <laughs> and it's not a real club. It hasn't got proper legacy like Barcelona has. And just, the whole
2: thing kicks off again. He's actually, he's actually been a big, big, big advocate of Catalonian independence, you know, all these years. Yeah, And now he gets the opportunity to express it. I, I Can I just say, and you can just like shoot me down here, but I really hope that Jose Mourinho comes to Crystal Palace <laughs> next season.
1: <laughs> that would be perfect.
2: So I he, really want it to happen. Sorry, so is badly. your
1: prediction? Is your prediction? I, it's not then a prediction. Jose it's a is either,
2: he's either going <laughs> he's either going to Barcelona. Oh, Crystal Palace. Yes. No, it's not a prediction. It's just a need. It's an unquenchable desire. I want to see him on the touchline at Seller's Park so badly. Oh, man. I'll be so happy if it happens. For approximately one and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> then I want him out. <laughs> oh, Don't you want Gareth Southgate? Never. <laughs> I'd never want Gareth Southgate. Gareth Southgate is not a club manager. and I don't want him anywhere near Crystal Palace. I love him too much to see him, his reputation, get trashed. At Crystal Palace, I'm mm. sorry. That's just my feeling.
1: Yeah, you can have Michael Beale if you want. I don't <laughs> want don't Michael want.
2: Beale. No <laughs> don't one wants Michael Beale. <laughs> I don't want Graham. I know. Sorry, we're not talking about Crystal Palace. Well, we are, but we will go. I don't want Graham Potter either. Graham Potter can get in the bin. Mm. Get in the Potter bin. There's a specific Potter bin sitting outside Selhurst Park right now, configured exactly for Graham Potter, and he should get in it. Any particular reason why is you that, feel so strongly? That, is, well, one, I don't think he's as good as people say, is and two, he's ex-Brighton.
0: Well, yeah, but Terry, I mean, Brighton managers have taken over at Palace before, and it's worked out fine, hasn't it?
2: Mallory mean no Mullery, simply. I'm not interested in it. <laughs> I could see that coming a mile off, and it was still
1: wonderful when it arrived. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was like a Sergio Leone film, wasn't it? It was there, shimmering on the the horizon, wasn't it? (laughs) Taking forever to come.
2: (laughs) I am Omar Sharif in your David Lean film. (laughs)
0: Uh, The well is indeed everything. Um, Well, I suppose we've really got to have a look and see what we're going to be watching this weekend and see if we can draw any conclusions from what we've spoken about, because... Liverpool are on their way to the Emirates this weekend. So Arteta could have a good look at that Liverpool side and uh, decide whether or not he'd like to be in charge of it. That's the big game on Sunday on Sky. Yeah, and it's just going to be more and more Klopp. Well, it's going to probably be an, an hour-long Klopp for build-up and then lots of Klopp at half-time and then
1: Klopp afterwards as well, won't it? Yeah, it's going to be Kloptastic. Yeah, that's all it's going to be
2: about. Which takes the pressure off Arsenal.
0: Yeah, this is what we have to face up to, though, isn't it, for the rest of the season?
2: Yeah, I know it, it's going to get tedious really, really quickly, I will say that, because they won't let it go. The English football media have got Klopp until May, possibly June, and they're going to rinse him for all that they've got. But yeah, it's going to be a major procession, which it could all backfire on him, Lance. It could all backfire on him if he's not careful, but I don't think it will.
0: Right, that's going to go in our box set, along with Alaves versus Barcelona as well. So that's going to be a, another concentration on the manager there as well, on Xavi, while he's, uh, he's a, a lame duck. Do you reckon he's a lame duck at Barcelona now? Or do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon.
2: Oh.
1: I think so. We're going to have a hard time at Alaves as well. They've won the last three, um, and in Barca's form, the, the form that Barcelona are in, I should say. We talk about Klopp going earlier. It could be that Xavi goes earlier.
0: Yeah, you're right. Alaves are in great form. They stuffed Almeria at the weekend, didn't they? Once again. Once again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but Almeria have been robbed, haven't they, in recent games? Uh, They were robbed against Real Madrid. Yes, Real Madrid, they they were were robbed when the uh, referees decided, yes, we we can't have Almeria beating Real Madrid. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't caught up with that story yet, listeners, then get involved because it's all gone mental in Spain, isn't it, Jan, about the VAR at the moment.
1: Yeah, and especially with that game. and It just felt like... We can't have the biggest team in Spain, the royal team. We can't have them <laughs> losing to the bottom team. Um, but yeah, it n- very nearly happened. Yeah, uh, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff.
0: Yeah. Barcelona were the beneficiaries of late uh, via our shenanigans themselves at the weekend. So perhaps they shouldn't be shouting too loudly about dodgy refereeing decisions. That game's going to be in our box set, along with a couple of the uh, African Cup of Nations uh, quarterfinals. And Borough versus Sunderland. Beat Stoke. Everything's better now, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's great. Everyone loves Michael Beal. Beal in. <laughs> Beal in, everyone. <laughs> well, listen to the local pods for the, the guys that follow Sunderland. They were just salivating at the uh, the chance of us losing to Stoke and it all kicking off. He couldn't even get that right. <laughs> I ask you to lose against Stoke, and you couldn't do that one simple thing. Uh, um well, so, um, yeah. but he's got, we'll go to Borough. Um, Borough are doing okay. They're not great at home, but you know it's their derby. Um, so, so they'll they'll be well up for it. It's just another game for us, and so therefore, you know, I don't think Michael Beale will get them. I don't think you could get anyone G'd up. Um, I think we're going to get a hammering. Uh, yeah, I think this time, I think you can probably call it a derby just
0: just to make it more important so that if he fails at this game, then... They're...
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of the of the, of the tease we are weird derby. And if you find any footage of me saying anything to the contrary, it's bloody
2: made up. I knew it. I knew it all this time. I knew it all this time. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean the only thing is, of course, yeah, and it's such a big fixture that you wouldn't want, uh, you wouldn't want him to get sacked uh, immediately after a derby game, obviously, because it, it's bad form. You know, you want to w- wait another game after that. That's the thing about losing derby games. You don't don't sack a coach after a derby.
1: What I'm hoping is that there'll be some announcement during the week where he says, "I've decided that I'm going to leave at the end of the derby game." <laughs> A nice big half-hour interview to go out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then instead of him sitting there crying in emotion because the Sunderland fans are all singing You'll Never Walk Alone or something like that, they're all just singing You're Getting Sacked in the Morning, and he's sitting there sobbing into his P45.
2: And when you say interview, sit-down interview, it's going to be him on his phone, isn't it? It's going to be... It going to be him complaining that we don't like him because he's got a cockney accent
1: which was the last thing he complained about guys are a waste of space
0: <laughs> yeah well so that's all the drama that we've got coming up for you in the box set this weekend well not only that but there's also the derby d'Italia as well last knockings on sunday night so much so much for you to get your teeth into and if you want to see what we put in our box set and our opinions about those games then get along to sofpodcast.com click on the link for the weekend box it and subscribe and it will be in your inbox on Friday Lunchtime but that is all we have time for this week so from me Graham Sibley from Jan Bilton it's goodbye goodbye
1: goodbye,
2: goodbye.
0: are at Sound of Football on X, Blue Sky, and Instagram. So feel free to get in touch there or head to our website, sofpodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review us.
2: I'm just cultivating a kind of rock star persona where I turn up fashionably late for things.
0: Yes, yeah, it's quite good. You need to get some, uh, some star-shaped sunglasses, I think.
2: I knew you were going to say that. Yes. And insisting there's only blue M&M's. <laughs> blue nms absolutely in the green room definitely mm. <laughs> or insisting that they remove all the blue nms
1: and put them into the other green room <laughs> <laughs> where well, everybody else has to wait yeah yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> there has to be two green rooms and I, I get my own green room everybody else has to wait in the other green room
1: we've got used to that over the years haven't we green yeah yeah yep, yep. certainly